0: time for the Liz Calloway Show. You asked for it, and we got it. Now, 6 to 10 weekday mornings. Always local. Always live. Always I don't live. have a... Here we go now, put the throttle down again. Here we go now, put the throttle down again. Here we go now, put the throttle down again. we go now, Here's Liz and Nick on Talk 94.5.
1: It is 9.07 on the Liz Calloway Show without Nick Summers. It is Thursday morning, February 29th. It's Leap Day. Lots of great deals going on around town. So uh, just uh, search on your Facebook page, Leap Day Myrtle Beach deals or something and you'll find a whole list of different things. And if it's your birthday today, then you get some extra be- extra benefits of course. So if you want to um you know wish Nicole Summers a happy birthday, that's why Nick is not here today. He is uh on vacation celebrating uh Nicole's birthday. So Um, But he'll be back here on Monday and he's going to be really upset because he loves Gregory Wrightstone. But um, I I had uh, I should have I should have kept you for next week, Gregory, because you know how Nick loves to talk with you about all sorts of climate change issues. Good morning and welcome back to the show.
0: Oh, dear Lord, he's got a man crush on me. I, I, don't, know, I, don't, I don't know how to respond.
1: Oh, that's funny. Know. So you're a geologist, but you're also the executive director of an organization called CO2 Coalition in Arlington, Virginia. And of course, we've been talking to you over the years uh, regarding your book, A Very Convenient Warming, How Modest Warming and More CO2 Are Benefiting Humanity. Is that your newest book?
0: That's the new one, and it's rab- it was just published two weeks ago, and it's it's climbing the charts on Amazon. It was up, up to, like, number eight or nine. It was interesting. The first book was, I, I think it was number eight, and my new one was number nine, so it's really it's pretty cool to see them back-to-back like that. But now, my remind goal me is to one and two.
1: Remind inconvenient
0: me the, facts. The
1: Inconvenient Facts, right. And you have an app to go with that and all that. And Nick always mm-hmm. uh, refers mm-hmm. to that. But um, tell us about what's going on. I played a clip from the Dutch MEP, Rob Roos, talking about how climate change is a fabricate, fabricated crisis in order to control our behavior because CO2 means everything. Um, and I'm guessing you're you're in that camp
0: oh yes 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 we're uh, and in fact it's it's uh odd that you mentioned the dutch because uh our our recent paper challenging net zero is is currently being translated uh into dutch oh. and we're working with some of the people in the netherlands to push back on this my my new book is also being translated into dutch spanish and portuguese at this moment so wow. it's uh yeah we're reaching out across the world we we're just finished up a paper on co2 and nutrition with dr albert Glitzel from paraguay working with us on this
1: what is and what so, is that connection
0: oh well it's fascinating they they the climate alarmists have finally and loudly conceded that yes co2 is increasing crop growth it's increasing vegetation uh, from the near polar regions to the equator, it's hard to dispute that because the evidence is stark and clear, so what they're saying since they can't they can't push back on c o two is really good for plants, what they're saying is well okay it'll it'll encourage crop uh, crop growth, but they'll be less nutritious and there'll be uh, particularly proteins and things like that and and it's just false and but there's not been any good material out there to directly dispute that so we brought uh, Dr. Gletso, Dr. Happer, uh, out of Princeton, and others, some of our top nutrition experts, uh, two of which at University of Penn, uh, we're looking at the agriculture nutritional value of of CO2 uh, charged, if you will, crop growth, and, and to find out that it's just it's just another uh, false alarm by the climate alarmists. Uh, so, so so sleep well. We're we're producing more crops, and, and in my new book. We show a chart there that shows that crop growth and crop and agriculture production are greatly outpacing population growth. And so we should sleep well at night knowing that we're feeding and more a growing population.
1: You know, um, there have been people that literally have set themselves on fire for this topic, you know, climate change and tied themselves to things and glued their hands, you know. I mean, is this a mental illness?
0: It is, and it's a climate cult. Uh, People need religion in their life. People, So many people around the world, in the United States here in particular, have moved away from religion, but people, it leaves a void in their life. They they need something to believe in. and, Mm -hmm. And a lot of these people gravitated to this climate cult. And uh, they need a noble uh, goal for them to go after. And what what could be what could be nobler than saving the earth? Uh, that's a pretty pretty powerful goal if you have it. Except the only problem is the earth doesn't need saving. The <laughs> earth's ecosystems are thriving and prospering. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've taken this on almost as a as a religion. Mm. Uh, and, and you know, we've got the high priests and priestesses. We've got Greta Thunberg and yeah. John Kerry who's the high priests. And, and it's just a...
1: I don't it, understand it's, it's how people get roped into that because they look like crazy people. Like that, to me, isn't something I gravitate towards. So what is the... What is this um, quest? It and, and it really is, it, it really speaks to wokeism, you know, transgenderism, all of these different isms that we're dealing with um, right now in society where people are trying to be more noble than the next. Like, if you don't believe this, you're not a good person. That is kind of what they're equating it with. Um Yeah. And, I, and I'm just wondering, you know, what's the next thing, first of all? But second of all, um, it it could lead to all sorts of these types of people that are growing up in this, like through the schools, to them yeah. eventually holding positions like, you know, CEOs of companies and um, you have them teaching in colleges and, you know, grammar school. Uh, what do you think that we have a a chance here or do you think that? You know, because I read, you know, you were saying like the hoax is undone, but is it undone enough for us to stop generating another generation of this? I think we're. I'm,
0: I'm. I'm. I'm really, really optimistic of what I see. I see more confirmation almost every day that people are waking up. They're learning. I see more and more about the benefits of carbon dioxide. And two years ago, I didn't hear a peep about it. And that's our main our main thrust and my main thrust, uh, what we've been talking about, and that's my new book. It, it, it's really a promotion of the huge benefits of warming and more CO2. So we've moved beyond, the last time we talked, we, we spoke about there is no climate crisis. Well, that is true, and it's demonstrable that, that there is none. But we've moved beyond that to where we're actually saying that modest warming, it's increased about one degree centigrade since 1850, and more CO2 are are benefiting Earth's ecosystems and humanity greatly. So So, the human condition is actually improving and getting better by almost every metric you look at. But why
1: don't they look at those same metrics? Why don't they give that the same credence that you do?
0: Well, that, that is the big question. I think what you're really... I mean, just to just to be blunt, what you're asking is, why are they lying to us?
1: Yes. Right. <laughs>
0: yes. Why
1: because because they, they because they know facts, they know they understand the credibility and the and the organizations that are giving these facts are credible, the testing. So why are they lying to us? Yes. and And, and basically what that clip I played from that Dutch MEP was saying, we're inching towards communism.
0: We are as to why they're lying there are a lot of reasons and and actually you and everyone in your audience listening right now are just as qualified as i am to say why they're doing it uh, as a scientist and an executive director of the co2 coalition it's it's my duty as a scientist to expose their lies to look at it and say okay they're telling you this and here are the science facts and data that's my role as a scientist but again you're you and all of your audience are just as qualified as I am to say why they're doing it. Mm. You know, I've heard everything from uh, intentional destruction of the Western economies, capitalism. Is it? You know, a lot of it's funding for these scientists because they don't go along with it, they don't get funding. We know that for AIPAC. Uh It's there's a lot of money to be made in this right now. A lot of it's going to CO2 capture and sequestration. More every every month we're, we're seeing projects. Um, where they want to pump CO2 into the earth and sequester it, you know, I, I will argue the only thing being pumped down those wells are are our tax dollars, <laughs> and there will be a lot of them, a
1: yeah. lot
0: of tax dollars into this. Uh, but no, I just uh, it's I, I call this we're just talking about the greatest untold story of the 21st century, the story of of a thriving Earth, prospering humanity, human condition improving. Uh, and it's 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 just a wonderful wonderful story, but you know that doesn't that doesn't sell. They don't. Nobody buys a newspaper anymore. But you know mm-hmm. these. The, that's what that's what's clickbait is disasters, mm-hmm. uh, death, famine, destruction. They all. They, you know that people go. Oh my God! And they run around with their hair on fire and their arms and the air wailing in the air. If you, it's hard to get excited about an earth that's prospering, but we should and we should promote it. And you're doing a great service to your to your listeners by by providing this information, allowing me and others like me to come on. Uh, we're the the CO2 Coalition is the preeminent scientific organization in the world that's f- pushing back against climate alarmism. We've, we've got some just really fascinating and wonderful uh, members. We just added Dr. John Clouser to our board of directors, who's the Uh, 2022 Nobel laureate in physics. Uh, It's hard to call him a science denier, (laughs) but but they do. They do. In fact, he was honored uh, last spring at the White House uh, for receiving the Nobel Prize in physics. And after he met with Joe Biden, shook his hand. He said, "Sir, uh, the science you're using for energy and climate change is just wrong." And Joe Biden told him, "Get this. You're just spouting right wing science." So Joe Biden is lecturing the current Nobel laureate in physics on science. I think I'll stick with the Nobel laureate. You know, Mm -hmm. we're going to go one or the other. Does Al Gore send you a Christmas card every year? I mean, are you on his list? <laughs> yeah, I must. I, he, I, he must have my an old address for me. Cause I'm <laughs> on
1: so, um, if anybody has any questions for Gregory Wrightstone, go to the Showtime AutoGlass text line eight four three seven nine eight talk seven nine eight eight two five five. So, Gregory, um, is there anything that we're doing right now, whether it's. Um, you know, climate change deniers or truth talkers, or it's the climate change encouragers that are out there. Is there anything that is actually damaging our environment that we need to be paying attention to? Are they like baiting and switching? Yeah. Are they misdirecting?
0: Absolutely. There's something that we are actively doing and promoting, and Joe Biden is encouraging it, and that's this development. Of just horribly environmentally destructive wind turbines and solar panels. Mm. Don't call them farms; they're not farms. They're industrial scale facilities, and they want. And the recent UN report on extinctions, while they got a lot wrong about their predictions, what they did get right was our endangered species. The greatest threat is habitat destruction, and and how who's destroying the habitat the most? The, the envi- they're trying to kill and destroy the environment in order to save the environment, paving over grass, thousands of square miles of grasslands for solar panel facilities, wind turbine, industrial scale facilities. I was just in Wyoming, spent a week there uh, two weeks ago, touring the state and speaking across the state, testified before the Senate Agriculture Committee. And it just, it's, it's disgusting and ugly. They have just, as far as outside of Cheyenne, just as far as the eye can see, are just wind turbines. And, you know, and at night we drove, you could see these red blinking lights, thousands of them all around wow. Cheyenne.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, and you're talking about wind t- turbines. I mean, we have, a, a, I, I actually don't know the state of these um update on it right now but there was an area of a, a county here called Georgetown County where they want to install this massive solar farm and uh the county member county council members said something like You know, because that was more rural side of the county and then the the, the touristy side of the county where all the money is, you know, they don't need a solar farm. But that side has to start, quote, pulling its weight in taxes. That's what they said. Uh, And they put this solar farm there or approved it and and i'm thinking to myself like you're taking away farmland that is not being yeah. used for food you're you're uh, maybe we don't even know but um the lifespan of these solar panels where do they all go i mean this is like hundreds of acres of land where do those solar panels go when they're no longer usable what's the lifespan on those um what is the sound that they give off or anything like that i mean people were worrying about this like humming sound and uh, what is that going to do to the flora and fauna in that community? So what are some of the other things that come along with those solar farms?
0: Well, the solar farms, of course, uh, they, they're, they they claim the lifespan is 25 years. Uh, it's not. It's less than that. Mm. It might be 15 to 25, but whatever. Uh, we're being told, aren't we, that uh, these things, we just put them up and then it's free energy forever. Well, no, particularly... Uh, wind turbines have a very short life. They, they Again, they claim 25 years. It's probably on the order of 12 to 15. And then you have to put up a new one. Uh, and the offshore facilities like they have planned uh, offshore where you're sitting right now is is those wind turbines, while they may not need replaced right away, they, the their productivity is degraded quite quickly. You know, if they say, well, it's a 10 megawatt capacity. Uh, you know it might be down to 8 or 7 within a year or two mm-hmm. and again and again when the when the wind stops blowing they don't put anything out uh so these things are just a, a good example just look to your north in Pennsylvania uh the Pennsylvania Game Lands cover some 1.3 million acres across the, the commonwealth the keystone state and these are really attractive areas on the ridgetops for wind turbines the, the game commission voted. 18 members uh, that sat on that committee voted unanimously to permanently ban all wind projects on 1.3 million acres across the state because they said it's contrary to our mission to protect the environment and preserve it for uh, the critters and for sportsmen. Mm-hmm. And and some of these people, I listened to that committee hearing, and some of these people were just. Already and they hate
1: them. Well, you know, we saw they, what happened they, they in see, Texas. We we saw what happened in Texas when they froze. People literally froze yep. to death in their homes because the wind turbines froze and they weren't powering what they were supposed to be powering. Um and so there's that whole environmental piece. But real quick, Gregory, they're trying to pin those fires and now they're deadly fires in Texas on climate change. Um, any word on that in your, you know.
0: I can't speak I can't speak specifically it's so recent yeah. but but they're not forests these are wildfires that are really grass fires and part of this is the rise of an indang, or excuse me an invasive species called cheatgrass we see that's fueling fires in California huh. Oregon and Washington it's called cheatgrass and but but beware and that's what dries out quickly i've been saying for some time that here in the East, or eastern United States, we also have an invasive species called Japanese still crest that's covered almost all of the east from Maine to Georgia. And we haven't had fires related to it, anything big, because we're pretty wet. But the east coast hasn't had a really big drought in quite a while. Mm-hmm. But it will. Droughts are part of the life cycle of this planet. They come and they go. Thankfully we don't have many.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But when we have the next drought, this this stilt grass that's that covers all it's, pro- it's in the probably brush, in your area. in the brush
1: in the forest, because we have a it's, lot of controlled burns here. I mean, I'd like mm-hmm. to hope I like I'm hoping that our forest management is up on this stuff to you know get rid of the yeah. the tinderbox effect.
0: Yeah, it's it's it, it is, and that's a good thing to do. But stilt grass is very almost impossible to get rid of without mm. chemical treatments. And, oh. you know, if you're going to pro- propose chemical treatments across tens of thousands of acres. People aren't going to like that,
1: No, you know, no, yeah. and,
0: but it's, it's really hard to eradicate mm-hmm. once it's, and I, and you probably don't know it, but I bet a lot of your listeners are shaking their head. Yes. Cause they've got it. Uh, you know, when they walk out their back door, if they've got woods behind them, mm-hmm. they probably got, they've got this stuff. And it's, it, it's, it's like when it dries out, it's just waiting for a spark to catch fire and yeah. grass fires, uh, start and, and flame up very quickly.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, Gregory, it's always great to speak with you. Um, again, give us the name of the book again.
0: A very convenient warming. You could buy it at convenientwarming.com or or just Google convenient warming and uh, go buy it. Buy buy three or four and give a few to your friends and your your crazy nephew, Billy, that majored in uh, environmental (laughs) studies or whatever. If it ends in studies, he got the wrong major.
1: (laughs) Good point. Good point. That's true. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And um, and we'll hope, uh, you know, next time we'll bring you back. Nick will be on with us.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much.
1: Okay. Thank you.